Welcome to the Activate Podcast with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast designed to not only talk about faith, but to challenge you to make it an active part of your life. I'm Brandon Reeb, and we're excited that you are listening today. We are in the middle of our series entitled Mood Swingers, Finding Emotional Health, and today we'll be discussing a recent message um, entitled The Tension. And so we're we're excited to be diving into this. But before we do that, Pastor Christian, we've been receiving a few questions from our listeners, and I have three for you today, but the first two go hand in hand. Let me read those to you, and I'd love to hear your response. Uh, One listener says, I'm a mom with a four-year-old boy who demands much of my time. I'm struggling to find my green pastures. Do you have any practical advice? And the second question is, as I am reading Psalm 23, I read this statement, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. What does this mean? So Brandon, those are both great questions. Um, and thank you to our listeners for submitting them. Um, and here's why they're the same question as we reviewed these questions beforehand. And I said, hey, ask me those first two together. You know, David says in Psalm 23, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. So for years, he was on the run from King Saul, the king of Israel, um, because David was a threat to his throne. Yet even in the moments of of daily frenzied survival, Mm. um, you know, David had time to to eat dinner with his family. We we see him in moments with his family and and even extended family. We see him in moments with friends and new friends and small groups. Uh, And David, when he's writing that, says, you know, even in the midst of a hectic, chaotic life, God provides rest. He provides time to sit down and enjoy life, even when everything's going crazy. And that mother is asking, how do I get that? How Mm -hmm. in the midst of a crazy life do I find rest? So I'm going to go back to the four things that we talked about for for spending time with the shepherd. One, you've got to depart daily, right? We said depart daily, withdraw weekly, um, quiet quarterly, and abandon annually. So for depart daily, uh, for this mom, you, you have to have some me time mm-hmm. in your day, but it has to be scheduled. Um, so, you know, if if you're a single mom, you might rely on a relative in town. Uh, you might rely on a neighbor. You might rely on an older sibling, but you just say, hey, this this 30 minute window, this hour window, um, I've got to separate. I, I can't be mom this hour. Um, you But you've got to depart daily. If If you're married, have your spouse. Take an hour with your child and just say, hey, you're in charge. Um, plan a kid's activity where your your child is in some kind of activity um, where you get to get away and not go get anything done, but just rest. Um, or, you know, may, maybe you have shared me time uh, where you tell your child, listen, for this hour, you're going to be with Elmo <clears throat> and I'm going to be with Jesus, but we're not going to be together. So just watch the show until it's over. Eat your Cheerios and like don't knock on the door and just go get away for a little bit. But you have to create intentional time. Daily. Secondly, you have to withdraw weekly. There's got to be at least a half a day a week where you unplug from the grind of the parenting duties. Um, we do that at our church through a MOPS program. Mm-hmm. So if you have a three or a four year old, five year old who's in preschool, you can come drop them off for two and a half hours and then you can be with other mothers um, just kind of having some adult time mm-hmm. with adults rather than watching your child. Um, go to a small group where child care is provided. Work out at a club where child care is provided. But you've got to have a time per week when you separate from your child, at least for a good half day to kind of clear your head. Quieting quarterly. Get away for a night. Um, t- take your child to grandma or grandpa's or a good tr- church friend or an aunt and uncle's house, but you got to go away and you've got to leave them um, 
for at least an evening, a quarter, and then abandon annually. You know, you don't go on a trip without your kids, uh, but go on a trip with your kids where it's not the daily course of life where you have to get up, do the laundry, uh, get their food made, get them to bed, get their nap time. Um, but you go away and kind of get outside the norm. A lot of this, Brandon, yeah. is trust. Um, I don't trust somebody to watch my child for an hour. I don't trust somebody to watch my child for a day. I don't trust somebody to watch my child overnight. And a lot of this is us not relaxing because we don't trust God to watch our four-year-old while we're relaxing. Mm. So some of it goes back to just trust, um, trust and be intentional. That's good. That's really good. Third question real quick before we jump in. I'm I'm just starting to journal and I'm struggling to find something to write about. Do you have any advice for people who are new to journaling and what should I write about? So journaling is hard and journaling is awkward if you've never done it before. You right. know, is it is a dear diary? Um, is it dear Abby? Is it dear Jesus? Um, you know, are you, are you writing deep, dark secrets you don't ever want somebody to find? Are you trying to write poetry that one day you're going to publish? Right. Um, journaling can be difficult, but journaling is just reflection. That's all it is. It's pausing to reflect. So I say, listen, write four sentences. If you If you don't have anything else... Write four sentences or even four statements. Number one, give me what happened yesterday. Number two, what's going on today? Number three, one thing you learned from your Bible reading. Number four, one prayer request or concern that's heavy on your heart. That moment of reflection. Here's what happened yesterday. Here's what I've got today. Here's what God's saying to me. Um, you know, here's one prayer request or concern. That just allows you to pause and reflect. So journaling is more about the pausing and the reflecting than the content. Hmm. Very good. Thank you, Christian, for sharing that. Uh, we want to hear from you uh, as listeners. You can ask Pastor Christian a question. You can send us an email at take or excuse me, activate at takethejourney.cc. Again, that's activate at takethejourney.cc. And we want to hear from you. Give us some feedback. Send us some questions, and we'll answer those on the podcast. So let's transition a little bit. We just heard an, a fantastic message that I cannot wait uh, to talk about and have a conversation. Uh, it you talk about this idea of tension. In fact, that's the title of your message. What is this tension that we're going to unpack today? So this year we're pursuing emotional health, and we're saying there there is a very real tension between what we're pursuing in emotional health and the unhealthy things that are currently in our life. Right. To go to a deeper level, the tension is the very real battle that wages between your spiritual self. And your unspiritual self, right? Galatians five sixteen and 17, um, Paul says, So I say, live by the Spirit so you won't gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the flesh desires what's contrary to the Spirit. The Spirit what de desires what's contrary to the flesh. And they're in conflict with each other. So you don't do what you want to. Paul said there's this spiritual battle that keeps you from living the emotionally and spiritually healthy life that you want to. In Romans 7, Paul says, I know the good that mm -hmm. I ought to do. And I don't do it all the time. Mm -hmm. I also know the things I should never do. And I find myself doing all those uh, all the time. Paul said, I feel like I'm cursed. That's the tension we're talking about. The reality of I know where I need to head, but I don't know how to get there in my current state. And we talk about the tension of separating from old so you can lean into new. That's good. So in the, in the message, you make this powerful statement. You cannot follow Jesus well unless you throw off sin. You separate from sin. You know, not that's not a that's not an easy thing to do, and and simply just saying I'm just going to stop doing it, it, it's not that easy. So as Christians, why do we continue to struggle with sin in our lives? Well, here's the deal, Brandon, and you you got to be careful how you write this if you're listening and taking notes. Right, a Christian will never be sinless. 
Like a Christian, one word, sinless. A Christian will never be S-I-N-L-E-S-S. Will never stop sinning. Mm -hmm. However, over time, a Christian should sin less. Two words. space less. Sin space less. We should be sinning less the more we lean into who Jesus is. Romans 5 says we were born with a sinful nature. Uh, By nature, we are creatures of survival. We live for ourselves. We don't live for God. If you have kids, you know that, right? They, they just, they set up to live for themselves. But when we begin to follow Jesus, we surrender that part of our heart because we desire to live for God. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are some hardwired components of our flesh, of, of like our natural DNA that sometimes they enjoy sin. Sometimes they rely on sin as their default reaction to stress or conflict or tension or pleasure. Um, and as long as sin is in the world, we're going to have temptation. Mm-hmm. And as long as temptation is in the world, Christians are going to have to fight their natural tendency to sin, even if they love Jesus. Um, while that's kind of an oversimplification, that's the reality. Mm. It's why Paul said that we live this life on earth in a body of death. Mm. Um, our spirits belong to God. Our hearts belong to God. They desperately want to follow him. They desperately want to become like him. But our human body and our human mind and our human pleasures and reactions are still very enticed to sin and attached to sin. And sometimes we're reliant on it, the way it makes us feel, um, the way it makes us maybe feel protected, the way it makes us feel strong, the way it makes us feel physically. Yeah. Um, that's, that's the battle, even when we love Jesus, that we face on earth. Yeah. Very good. So let me just get a little personal then. How have you separated yourself from sinful behaviors from your past? Well, I'll start off by saying not very well. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. I, I am far from sinless. Mm. Um, and I try to sin less, but I still, I'll be 39 in a week and a half, am far from sinless. Right. But I have found when you really kind of drill down on something, um, that sometimes just removing myself from environments allows the temptation of certain sins to go away. Yeah. Removing myself from unhealthy relationships um, allows, you know, whether it be as a, as a teenage boy, you know, living in heat, um, or whether it be an adult who just is around someone who always likes to gossip. Mm-hmm. Sometimes just unplugging from a person unplugs from sin. Um, I found out that I can block out destructive influences. I can change my cable package. Mm-hmm. Um, I can change the radio stations on my car. Um I can change what I look at. Uh, but when I can't do those things on my own, I get accountability. There you um, go. And I ask someone to help me. So, I mean, there, there's levels of do it yourself and there's levels of I need a lot of help. Right. Um, and I'm finding in my life now, the more accountability I have, the easier the easier it is because I've already kind of changed all the channels and radio stations um, and, and unhooked all the unhealthy relationships. So now I, I need people to hold me accountable on, on the things that – just naturally or me that aren't pleasing to God. That's good. Let's shift gears a little bit, Christian. And uh, in the Christian community, we discuss this idea of the authority of God, especially the authority of God in our lives. What does this, what does this mean? Well, you know, authority in general is an interesting topic because again, our natural state is that we don't want people to tell us what to do. I mean, from Adam and Eve in the garden, we like to make our own choices. Mm -hmm. But but authority is is important. I mean, just authority in general. Uh, When I was a kid, my mom and dad bought me the the book of uh, New York Jets defensive end Dennis Bird. Right, He he broke his neck playing against the Kansas City Chiefs, and he wrote a book about how his faith helped him through that, um, that situation. Just at the end of last year, he was killed in a car accident in a highway in Oklahoma. Hmm. 
two-lane road, I mean a miles and miles long stretch of a two-lane road, double yellow line, but no median dividing. Um, and I read an article about him being killed, and someone showed a picture of the road. Yeah. Um, and they asked, under the picture, it said, how many times have you been driving down a road like this with total faith that the person coming towards you understands the rules of the road and will obey them the same way you will. Just totally zoned out, you know, thinking I have my side, they have their side because some authority has said that it's so. I mean, we, we need authority in our life. We need authority in traffic. We, we need authority in air traffic control. I mean, when we're flying in an airplane, we want someone in charge telling people where to go uh, with our kids in schools. Um, we not only trust them to the teachers and coaches, but we pray that the teachers and coaches have authority over them who will make them do right by our children. So we depend on authority every day in our life, yet we repel from it personally. Um, so the authority of God is just allowing God to, um, to be in control. And what we said in our message, you know, we, we said no one should assume that if there is a God and he has standards that we would meet them all without knowing those mm-hmm. standards or without knowing God. I mean, that, that would be prideful to think, hey, I didn't even know God existed or he had rules, but when I found out he did and I found out what they were, like I got an A+. It would be an extremely prideful thing to think that. Instead, it would make sense to think that if there is a God and he has standards, that as we learn about God and his standards, that there would be some things that we have to change. The question is, do we trust God enough to change the unknown? And do we trust God enough that when we say, listen, there's some things even down your road you're not even aware of yet that you're going to find out God has a certain way he wants done? Are you willing to follow God regardless of what he asks you to do because you trust him as an authority? Um, that's, that's a really, really big deal. And a lot of people would say, no, I, I, don't, I don't trust God, but at the same time, I don't want to be God. Mm-hmm. Several years ago, my grandmother passed away, um, who had been married to my grandfather, who was a pastor for more than 50 years at the time. They asked me to do the funeral, and, and my grandpa was one of the most distraught widowers I've ever seen in my life. Huh. Um, my mom and her aunts, I mean, they, like we were worried about just his his heart, his mind. He did not seem like he could go on. Hmm. And I remember talking to my grandpa um, and him just saying it wasn't the right time. It wasn't the right time. And we talked about Psalm 139, 16, where it said every day of your life um, is written in God's book before one of them comes to be. God is the author of life and of death. And I said, you know, Grandpa, God God knew that Grandma was going to die on this day. Before her life began, God knew Grandma was going to die on this day. It wasn't a mistake. Um, and he said, well, it, was just a, it was just the wrong day. It wasn't the right time. So I asked him, okay, then what day would you have set? Mm. And here's this, you know, 50-year veteran pastor looking at me who's just a kid saying, what do you mean? And I said, well, Grandpa, you're saying God's timing was wrong. So what if you were in charge, what day would you have chosen for her to stop living in this life? And he said, I wouldn't want to have made that mm-hmm. that uh, that call. Um, and I find that that's where a lot of people are. It's like when we really understand the responsibility, we don't want to be God. Right. But we don't want to listen to God. Mm-hmm. And something's got to give. Right. Like you either are God and you know it all or you allow someone else to be and you come under submission or we find ourselves like we do at the end of the book of Judges where it said in those days there was no king. There was no authority. Everyone just kind of did what was right in their own eyes. And you know what? That doesn't work on the roads. That doesn't work in airplanes. That doesn't work in schools. It doesn't work in life, Brandon. So we, we got to acknowledge authority. That's good. Thank you.
So as we come to the end, let me ask you one more quick question from your from your message. You know, we're shaped by our past, both positively and negatively, but our past does not have to define us. Perhaps there may be someone listening Christian today that feels like their personal identity is wrapped up in in something from their past, maybe in the event from their past. How can they break away from this and move forward and move on? Well, here's the reality, right? And everyone carries our past with us. The reality is um, the past does define us, hmm. but not our past. Jesus hmm. in the past took our our sin, our mistakes, um, our failures upon himself. He died to those so we could be forgiven so that our identity could be changed. So I tell people, listen, the past does define you. Just not your past. That's good. What Jesus has done in the past defined you. And in Scripture, when we see people have an encounter with God, often they get an identity change that even comes with a name change. Abram becomes Abraham. Mm -hmm. Jacob becomes Israel. Sarai becomes Sarah. Simon becomes Peter. Saul becomes Paul. Why? Their identity is changed not because of their past, but because of what God did in the past. And because of what Jesus did in the past, here's the identity of everyone listening to this podcast. They're a child of God. That's right. They're loved by God. They are gifted by God. They are useful to God. They have purpose for God and they, they can heal. It might take a while. Um, in the past will always be a part of your story, but it does not have to be a part of your identity. Hmm. What Jesus did changes our identity. And all we have to do is remember the little ABCs of vacation Bible school. We got to admit that we got to believe that we got to confess that and we got to begin to live. We got to admit my past is messed up. My sin is messed up, but I can separate from that through Jesus. I believe my identity can be changed. I confess that and remind myself of that over and over again. And then I begin to live in that direction. That is separating from past by claiming a future identity because of what Jesus did for us. That's really good. I think we're going to end there, man. That's why I love this podcast, because you're dropping some good stuff, bud, and I really appreciate it. I wish we had more than 20 minutes. Like I just exactly. feel like I'm getting ready to preach started. now. So That's yeah, right. we'll, we'll have to start on the next one soon. There we go. Well, guys, thanks for listening this week to our Activate podcast. We pray that you have found this conversation extremely useful, not only in your personal life, but as you have conversation with those closest to you. Again, we want to hear from you. Send us your feedback. Send us your questions to uh, activate at takethejourney.cc. And would you do us a favor? Please take a moment to rate this podcast. That really helps out a lot. And write a quick review. We love to hear, we love to hear feedback. So thanks a lot. We'll catch you next time on Activate.